All right, we'll keep your Boltons handy this week. Things are in a little bit different order, so pay attention. Uh, we're now we're ready to take, spend our time in God's Word. So if you'd open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's not bad to change things around. You might notice things in a little bit different way than, than you do other times. So, uh, but we are going to continue here in the book of Galatians, which has, you know, just emphasized again and again that a relationship with God is only possible for sinners, and that includes all of us. Uh, scripture's clear, all have sinned. The only way to have a relationship with God is through the forgiveness that was provided by Jesus when he came, became a man, took our sins on himself, and he died on, the, on a cross, paying the penalty that all of our sins deserve. And we have to then, first of all, believe we're sinners, then entrust ourselves to him to forgive that sin, to give the gift of eternal life. And he does. And he makes us new. And he changes us. And it's, it's really just that simple. But of course, Paul took that message to the area that's now Turkey. Asia Minor is what they called it then. Uh, Galatia was the province, the Roman province. And then people came in behind and said, oh, well, all that, that about Jesus is fine, but first you have to kind of come in through the Jewish door. Your men need to be circumcised first. You need to start keeping the law. Then when you've done these good things, then, then you can, can be saved. And Paul says, no. And we've spent chapters and example after example and personal stories from Paul as he says, no, no, the only way that you can be saved is by faith in Christ. It's a gift from him. None of your works are going to bring you into a right relationship with God. You have to have this gift from him. And then we've entered more recently into this, this section that answers the question then, well, if we're, if we're not under the Jewish law or some kind of law, how do we know how to live right? We just go about and do whatever we want? If it feels good, do it kind of thing. And Paul, remember, tells us, tells us early on, verse five, chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Then in verse 13 he says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity of the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then in verse 18, or I'm to verse 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So how is it we don't, we don't give in to those patterns of sin that have been a part of our lives? Because we have freedom in Christ? Well, the answer is, walk or live by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to every person who has entrusted themselves to Christ. To every person who is, who is now saved from the penalty of their sin, who now has a relationship with God, his Holy Spirit comes and lives within them. So the answer is not, you don't do what is good and right because there's this law, and if I don't keep the law, I'm in trouble. But you do it because you are walking through life, you're ordering your life according to a relationship. A relationship in which 
you know the one who saved you. You know him through the word that he gave. And you're walking, you're, you're in relationship, praying, being saturated by his word. And day by day, that impacts then the choices that you make. As you go back and say, what, what does God like? Oh, well, God is truth. Oh, well, lying's out then, right? Doesn't match up with who I've become because I'm, I'm related with him. And the Holy Spirit guides us to, into his word to know what is good and how to live. And, and we walk a step at a time, day by day. And then as Paul continued in chapter 5, remember then he got to this section uh, where we're at now, where he, in verse 19 is where that section started. He, he gives some specific examples of how this walking looks. Because he says, now the deeds of the flesh. And remember, we've talked about this idea that the flesh is patterns of sin that are like grooves in our life. Uh, some of those grooves have come from before we knew Christ. Right? We got in these habits of sin, and, and it's just so easy to slide into those habits. We just do it without even thinking. Sometimes we don't even know we're in that groove because that's the way we've lived all our lives. We've just done, done that sin for so long, it just happens. Sometimes we feel like we don't have any control over it. And yet God says, no, the deeds of the flesh can be put to death. And I had an interesting conversation on Sunday night that included the, the clarification that those deeds of the flesh, those grooves can get established as believers too, right? We, we don't listen to the Holy Spirit. We don't obey the word, and we get into habits of sin, and we can dig those grooves as believers. So just to clarify that, it's not just sins from before we were believers, but sadly we can, we can be disobedient as believers and, and, and our flesh, the things we want, the things we want to avoid, patterns we, we use to avoid, the things we're afraid of, those need to be dealt with, right? Well, it's by walking by the Spirit. It's, it's listening to Him, being saturated with His Word, talking in prayer to God by His Spirit all the time that that's changed. And verse 19 starts giving us some of, the, some of the things we need to know shouldn't be a part of our lives now that we're in Christ. And remember last week, last week we, we started this list. It says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. And we covered last week immorality, impurity, sensuality, all sexual sins that are, they cry out from, our, from our, our flesh, our bodies, but our desires, those, those aren't a part of walking by the Spirit. We need to understand how God designed us as sexual beings and how he designed that to be a good and beautiful thing within the context of marriage. But now he's going to continue on, and we're just going to cover a couple of them because we do get the privilege of of celebrating communion together this morning, and we want to make sure to leave time for that. So we're just going to go on in verse 20 to the next two, idolatry, sorcery. These are things that are produced or, or works that we do when we're living according to our, our flesh. And they're related, really, to the idea of trying to get a hold of power. Um, or at least perceived power. See, the reality of our flesh, those desires that we have, this is, sooner or later it becomes obvious that we can't satisfy our desires or we can't avoid the things that we want to get away from in our own power. 
You might keep trying to do it in your own power, but you find yourself coming up short again and again. Well, the right solution is to walk by the Spirit, right? To go to the Scripture and ask, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into the truth. To be in prayer, to, to be in fellowship with others who have the Holy Spirit within. Okay, but some, the, te- the temptation, and especially before we knew Christ, was to go find that power to get what we want or to be saved from what we're afraid of from other sources. And that's really the essence of these two words, idolatry and sorcery. And idolatry is, is just the worship of anything other than the one true God. Now, idolatry is really obvious in religions where they make statues and carvings and they bow down in front of them in order to please the so-called gods that are behind them in order to get what they want. That kind of idolatry, you can say, oh yeah, look at those people. They're, they're idolaters. They're worshiping that statue. You know, they're worshiping that, that tree, that, that object of some sort. But it also, also applies to any time a person devotes himself or herself to something above God or instead of God. So we take something, anything, and we make it more important than God. We say, oh, well, God's there. But by our actions, we show that we're really more devoted to this other thing because we think that will get us what we want or it will save us from what we don't want. So it's a seeking power from someone or something that we, we think is greater than us, but it's not God. So where do you go to be saved from your difficulties or to get you the pleasures that you want? What's your source for that? The answer to that question is going to help you get to the root of the idols in your life because the truth is, as we walk through this Christian life, there are going to be idols. And some of them we're going to devote our, our hearts and minds to when we shouldn't. Some of them will just be tempted to go there. And the Holy Spirit will guide us away and we'll say, no, no, I can't do that. But where, where do you just have to have more? And you're willing to go somewhere besides God to get what you think you have to have. Turn with me to the book of Colossians. Just a few books toward the end of your Bible from where we're at. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. Here Paul's uh, actually having a similar uh, conversation with the, the believers of Colossae. And he says, Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality and impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So that's where you have to say, where's that that desire within me where I have to, because the word greed just means a desire for more. And we usually apply that to money, but it can be with anything. Or I have to have more. I have to have more. I have to have more. And that's really what feeds idol worship. A worship or going to power that's greater than ourselves other than God. So where do you go to get 
that more that you think you have to have? Are you afraid to go to God because you're, you're seeking things that are wrong? If you do, then there's some idol worship going on. Are you afraid to go to God because the things that you want are good, there's nothing wrong with them, but they're not within God's timing? It's clear, you know, from the teaching of God's word or just the circumstances that it's, it's just not time for you to have what it is you think you have to have more of. And so you're willing to go, you know, go around God, go to this other perceived means of power in order to get it. I want it anyway, and so I'll go here to get it instead of asking God to provide it in his timing. Or are you not wanting to go to God because your motives are wrong? I want this, but I just want it because I've got pleasure issues that have to be taken care of. I want to be pleased. And I'm afraid God will say no if I go to him and ask him to please me and give me this area of pleasure. And maybe we know because the, the desire is wrong. But sometimes it's just because we're just plain selfish. We might want something good, but our motives are, are selfish. That's where idolatry works in. And we say, God's not the source. I don't want to go to God. I'm going to go to this other place and get what I think I want. And I'm going to put that above following him, asking him, obeying him. That essentially is idolatry. Uh, Sorcery, its companion back in Galatians chapter 5, is an interesting word. Um, The Greek Greek word behind it that's translated sorcery here is the same word that gives us our word pharmacy or pharmaceutical, interestingly. Um, And it does have a connection with drugs. And the reason is it's translated sorcery, though, is because of the common practice in many false religions of using drugs to put a person in an altered state that then makes it supposedly makes it possible for them to get in contact with supposed gods or these other supernatural powers. And so it's, it's saying, well, we have our own way of getting to the power we want. And, and many times that's connected to the power that demons have because demons are real. And when, you know, a lot of times getting into some sort of an altered state and then connecting with this supposed power is just connecting with demons. Um, thankfully, I don't know of too many Christians that go there, but the danger is there, and we're in more and more of a world where it's considered to be okay. Get in this altered state, connect with this higher power, get, get connected with something else so you can have what you want, whether it's, whether it's peace in your life or calm or, or whatever. And you can see how these two are related, right? It's saying, I need more power in order to get what it is that I think I want or I need in my life, and I'm willing to go to some other source than God in order to get it. And the flesh is eager to do that, to get what it wants. That's still here in us as we live in this world, those grooves, those patterns of sin that have been ours that we've developed. And especially... The flesh is eager to do that because it seems to get around God and the guilt and the shame that should come from living for ourselves. We don't like to be confronted with the fact that we are guilty when we go around God's ways. But sorcery, it amounts to the same thing as idolatry, but with some different methods. 
That's probably a good time to just jump back into chapter 4 a little bit to, uh, to verses 8 and 9 in Galatians as a reminder where Paul is talking about, remember who you have become. You're not who you used to be. When you come to know Christ as your Savior, you become a new person. And so in verse 8 of Galatians 4, he says, However, at that time, he's speaking uh, to, to the Galatians, particularly to the Gentiles, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those things which, were, which by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? So that was your life without Christ. You were slaves to perceived powers, to perceived gods. They controlled your life. They told you who you were and what you could do and what you could not do. He says, why do you want to go back to those impotent sources of what you thought was power and be enslaved all over again to something that is not good and that is not, has no real power? Sometimes it's just so easy to fall back into those ways, though, isn't it? It's what I'm used to. It's just the way I am. It's just what I do. Well, Paul's trying to tell us God has something better. God has something infinitely better. Now that we, are, we know God and are known by God in a relationship, it just doesn't make sense to let yourself be a slave anymore. Jesus freed you from that. Why go back to the old, old master and say, please tell me what to do. Just give me what I want. Please control my life, but give me what I want. We shouldn't do that. We belong now to God and should live in freedom. Let's, let's just make this a little bit more practical. How, how might this look, this idea of going to idols, going to false uh, sources of power? And I've just... Uh, I've just picked out a few areas of our life. This, these, lists, these four items that I'm going to talk about are not exhaustive. So use your, your, your mind, be directed by the Holy Spirit in your own life, maybe to areas where you are going to idols or you're tempted to worship idols. But think about health issues. That's huge in our life, in our, our country, our society, aren't they? Our bodies are prone to problems. And ultimately, we are dying, aren't we? And we can, can treat the means of caring for our bodies as gods that can save us from that unwelcome reality about ourselves. So doctors, medicines, nutritional plans, special diets, exercise programs, and more can become idols. Because we can elevate the means of stewarding our bodies to the place of being the things that we are devoted to above God, who is the great physician, who is the creator of our bodies. Now, I'm not saying that those things are, are wrong in and of themselves. Those may be means by which God keeps our, helps us, to, uses to keep our bodies healthy or to, to br bring us back to health from having been sick. The question is, where, where is it placed? Do these means that we have of helping our bodies be healthy so that we can use them for the glory of God? Do they get placed above God? Do we devote more time and attention and care to those things 
than we do to the one who made them, to the creator. When we put it up there too high, that has then become an idol, which is a work of the flesh, because we're like, I, I just want to be healthy. I want to not have illness or, or problems in my body, and I'm willing to go here, especially if God says, no, just walk with me through this difficulty. Walk with me through this struggle. I have something better for you. And that's when it's often tempting to go and treat those means as greater than God. What are the issues? From the perspective of this world, money is the answer to everything, right? If you have a problem, well, just, just you know, designate a little more money to it. Give some more money to it. Our jobs, stewardship of our resources and priorities related to our material things can become, we can become fully devoted to that, fully devoted to accumulating wealth. We can place those things as priorities over our walk that the Spirit and the Scripture direct us to. Because after all, we have to earn a living, right? And we have to make our future secure, right? Are those things bad? No, we're directed to work in order to make a living, right? To support ourselves, to support others. Is it wrong to save aside for the future? No. But when those things threaten to become ultimate, that drive our priorities, and, and if any time, well, I have to make a living, therefore the things that God has directed me to do, like being with his body, being in his word, serving others through love, right? Which, remember Paul said earlier, that's the opposite of giving a place to the deeds of the flesh. The opposite of that is through love, serving one another. Well, if I say, well, I just can't serve anybody because I've got to be making money. Well, we stop and we forget where the source of all of our resources is anyway, right? It all comes from God. He usually provides it through giving us work to do so that we can have it, but how easy it is to make work the thing, right? The ultimate thing. And it's easy to die and look back and say, I wish I'd have spent more time at work, right? No, to die and to be sitting there and say, well, I sure wish I'd have spent more time with my family. I wish I'd have spent more time in the Word and fellowship, and building others up. Things that are ultimate, not the temporary things like material things. So that's, that's where there's going to be a temptation for things that are not, can be good, but they can become ultimate. What about political issues? Well, those are hot today, aren't they? There's a lot of things going on, and we, we look to our politics and our politicians and our leaders, and we can elevate the political processes and those people to a place where they become like gods to us, things that we worship. We devote time, energy, thought, money, and top priorities because through this political process or person or movement, I'm going to, we're going to fix our country. We're going to fix the world. And we are blessed to have the opportunity to contribute to those things in our country. And we do have stewardship responsibilities there because those have been given to us in our, in our, our country. 
However, politics, government, court decisions, and other things that are related to them cannot save us, and they cannot be our hope. Our hope can only be in Christ. And then secure in him, yes, then we can participate in those areas. We can be good stewards of those privileges that we have. But they will disappoint us again and again, over and over, because they have no eternal hope and they have no certainty. Don't put your hope in those, those processes or the people who are put into position, because they're just men and women, and they are all sinners. Finally, it's the area of worry and anxiety is where there's a lot of, of possibility of idol worship. Because things are, are not going, or we fear that things are not going the way we want them to. It's as though we, we put ourselves through a ritual of being distraught and upset, thinking somehow that's going to make things happen the way I want them to. I'm not sure we even know, think where the power for that is going to come from, but we do it, don't we? Something's, something might not be right or something is not going the way we want, and so we, we worry. We get ourselves worked up. We raise our blood pressure. You know, we, 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 we pace back and forth. We don't sleep. It's as though we think, well, if I just put myself through all this turmoil, it will earn me the right to have things go my way. I don't know, that's a good explanation, but it's maybe as good as any other. When, what are we called to do with the things we, we are fearful about? Well, go to Philippians. Chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I know, very familiar, but we, some of these verses we come back to again and again. You know why? Because we need to. We need to hear these things again and again. You know, instead of having an idol of, of me being agitated and worried, fixing my problems. Paul says, be anxious or worried, pulled in many different directions for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Take it to the one who actually has the power to do something about it. You have no power to change things by worrying about them and fretting, and sometimes even by doing related to that thing. Sometimes you just spin your wheels thinking you're accomplishing something. It's really just a form of physical worry or mental worry. You need to take it to the Lord and leave it with him and let his peace then permeate your life, realizing he can help me to walk through that, or he can change the circumstances if that's what's best, or he can bring others into my life to walk through this with me in a way that will make it good and accomplish God's purposes, even though I don't like it. And so if, if those aren't the sources of real power, where's the power? I know this is kind of an obvious answer. It's with God, right? Sunday school answer. But look at what Paul, how Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers in Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 18 through 23. 
Uh, people, by the way, Ephesus was filled with idol worship. Probably many of these people, at least the ones who were not Jewish, bowed down to, to literal statues and things. Thinking they were finding power, they did, they did magic arts in Ephesus, thinking they were gaining power through, through these different, different forces and things. And when Paul prays for those who have come to know Christ, these are the words he uses. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He's speaking here of ultimate power, right? The power, he, I want you to, to, your eyes to be open. I want you to comprehend this is the power that's at work within you if you have entrusted yourself to Christ. This is the power that's at work in your life and your walk as you walk by the Spirit. The same thing that took Jesus from death, not just any death, but a death in which he paid the spiritual price, the eternal price for every person's sins, took him from the very lowest place and raised him above all of the, all of the, the human powers that exist, raised him above all of the spiritual powers that, that exist, angels, demons, and all of the power that they have. Jesus was raised above that. He was raised up and seated at the right hand of the Father above every person, power, name, both now and in the age to come, he says. That's the power that took Jesus to that ultimate place that God is using to work in your life. Why would you go somewhere else? Why would you do that? Because where is the power? There's no comparison, is there, really? Those places that, that we look to get power and the power that would do that and take Jesus to that place? See, living our lives in an intimate relationship with the Spirit who dwells within us and creating patterns of life according to that relationship. The Holy Spirit is God. He has that infinite power, right? It should make putting our, our trust, seeking power from any other source of, than Him unthinkable. He is already actively, moment by moment, pointing us to Jesus and using his infinite power to do what is best for us. Not only that, his wisdom and guidance is ours through the truth that he's inspired in the Bible. And he's directing us as we ask for wisdom. Remember in James chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men, gives to those generously. He loves to give us his perspective and understanding of our situation. 
whether by directing us through his word, bringing in godly counsel from other believers, working through our circumstances even. But he loves to give us the wisdom and understanding of how to walk if we ask. I mean, and all those possible means of help that we have, or medicine, or money, or nutrition, or government, or whatever, are put in their proper place under him. None of those things have power unless he allows them to have power. And when we turn to counterfeit sources of power, it's, it's like traveling, like if we're traveling along in a tank. A large, powerful weapon of war, right? And we beg a little boy alongside the road with a slingshot to protect us. Right? It's like sitting and eating at the king's table. All the food is spread out. In the meantime, we're working on the side, talking to the kitchen help. Would you please bring me, would you please bring me the scraps that you were going to throw to the dogs? I want those. When there's a sumptuous feast laid out before you, right? Why do we live like that? Why do we act like that? Because we, we forget, maybe we choose to forget that the real source of power we are intimately related to, we are a child of the one who has that infinite power. When we turn to those things, it just doesn't make sense for sons of God. And remember, too, that this walking by the Spirit, is, it's, it's described as walking. It's not marching, okay? It's not get in line and just, no, it's a relationship. We're walking according to his direction, but, but in fellowship with him along the way, step by step, having a conversation, talking about the surroundings where we're going. A walk usually takes you over different kinds of terrain, right? You walk with the Spirit up those tough hills, but you walk with him through the dark valleys, but also down the gentle and beautiful slopes. It's a relationship where you are, are knowing him more and more through all the circumstances that come your way. It's walking through, if you want to, just as a word picture, different kinds of weather, right? Sometimes this is a beautiful spring days when you know, it's, it's nice and warm and a gentle breeze and the smell of all the new things that are blooming. Other times it's, you know, winter weather with, you know, sub-zero temperatures and strong winds, and yet he's walking with you and you're talking with him about it all along. And you're saying, okay, how, how, do, I, how do I proceed? Show me, how do I survive? Give me the power I need to take another step. And then the next step. Make sure I know where I'm going because I can't see, but only right in front of me. That's the idea of, of it being a walking by the Spirit is that he's there with us in all of those various kinds of circumstances of life. And sometimes life feels like that winter struggle, doesn't it? Sometimes when we lose a lost one, when we're deep, sometimes deep in depression, when we're hit with multiple difficult things happening one right after another. But it's taking it step by step along the way. Worshiping idols, going to alternate sources, false sources, is not the lifestyle of sons. And so just as I finish up, let's just go back where we ended last time. Galatians chapter 4 again, verses 4 through 7. So this is just prior to the those verses we looked at before. But a reminder 
For when the fullness of, of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth his, the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy, right? Intimate, the one who cares about us, the one who loves us. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And that's where Paul takes uh, things in, at the end of this section about about the uh, deeds of the Spirit. He says, I have forewarned you that, in verse 21, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sons don't act like that. They go to their father, to their papa, to their daddy for the help that they need, for the power that they lack. People who go to other sources, that's not, that's not what sons act like. And it's about the practice of those things, right? We all, we, all, we all fail, we all fall short, we all sin. But he's talking about the things that you practice. The ones who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom. So let's get those, those practices, those patterns of doing the same thing over and over. Let's, let's take those to, to Jesus. Let's, by the Holy Spirit, allow his word to give us a plan to change. Let us, by means of the others in the body of Christ who also have the Spirit, get their help to break up those patterns of sin in our lives, the things we keep going back to again. Get it out in the light. Confess it to a friend, to a small group that you can trust and say, I need help to get out of this sinful pattern. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it with my strength. I know God's got the power, but I, I need you to help me walk as the Spirit directs you as well. It's about developing those new habits. So it's important to ask God to reveal to us what things in our lives are just works of the flesh and are not, as we'll see later, the fruit of the Spirit. We're so used to the, the works of the flesh that they seem normal, they seem natural. They even seem right to us sometimes because we're so accustomed to them. But walking by the Spirit exposes them for what they are. We should be glad to get rid of them. It's like turning on the light in a dark room. It exposes what's in there. And remember back in Galatians 5.13 where it, can, it contrasts letting the flesh, don't let the flesh have a base of operations in your life, but through love serve one another. If I'm seeking power to do things that don't look that way, aren't through love serving others. It's probably a deed of the flesh. It's good to ask yourself, am I through love serving anyone in my seeking power to accomplish things? If I get the power to accomplish what I want to do, is it actually serving anyone through love? And if the answer comes back negative, it's probably time to start reevaluating through prayer, through the word, and through the worship of the one true God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for victory over the flesh. It's in our, our, our strength, uh, the flesh is so powerful. It's insurmountable uh, in you and by the, by the power of your spirit and, and using your word and, 
and in this relationship we have with Jesus and with all of, all of those who belong to him, it, it's more than possible. In fact, it's, it's certain because you are the one who's going to do it. Uh, not all at once. We're thankful that, that you are persistent and continue to change us day by day and continue to walk with us in all our circumstances. Uh, we're so thankful in Jesus' name.